Okay. Often churches um, will call uh, the role that Heather has a director of music or a worship director. And I just want to share with you, um, that is not who Heather is. Nor is that the calling on her life. She carries a pastoral heart, which is beautiful. Um, and so her heart is that we would, as a body, be, she would pastor us in the area of worship. Worship is not just singing songs. There is so much more to worship. And so her heart is to pastor us in that area as we learn to follow Jesus and learn what it means to worship him. So as a church, worship is foundational to who we are at Summerside Community Church. It's um, from the beginning how this church even was birthed. There was a passion for true worship and to see the Holy Spirit move freely among us. That was core to what began this church. So our founding pastors um, were part of making this move and this shift and birthing this in Summerside Community Church. And so as we walk out what it means to be a people of encounter, it's important that we fully understand what it means to be worshipers. What is worship and what is it not? And so, Heather, I'm so blessed that you have agreed to speak and teach uh, what God is, you know, God's been doing stuff in her heart for years. <laughs> and so this is a chance for her to share the um, fruition of the teaching that he's placed on her. And so um, just bless you as you bring this message this morning. Wow. That was quite... The intro. Thank you, Tracy. I feel very honored. <clears throat> and yes, thank goodness I'm not a musical director because I, believe it or not, I'm not very musical. <laughs> so, but I am passionate about worship. So, um, I just need to take a second and I'm just going to pray. Okay? Is that all right? So, Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we get to come here week after week and be in your presence be together, Lord, and to encounter you. And Father, I just ask right now that you would um, just help us to fix our eyes and our minds on you this morning. Not on me, Father, but on the words that you want to speak to our hearts, mine included. And Father, I pray that it will go deep and that we will leave here differently than when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like Tracy shared last week, she was talking about encountering the Lord through scriptures. And I just want to highlight on that for a second, if I can. So most of you know that recently Colby and I were at a pastor's conference in Orlando. And God just kind of reiterated that for me personally, because my default is worship, Sometimes it's a little bit harder for me to get into the scriptures, and he just reiterated the importance of it, and it's immeasurable, the value that it is in our life. And I had one of the speakers shared something, and I'll just share with you very briefly, talked about how important it is and the fact that even Jesus used scripture to defeat the enemy, and when Jesus went into the wilderness and he was tempted... He didn't use his experiences. So I could tell you all kinds of experiences that I've had in worship, but he defeated the enemy with scripture. With each temptation that the enemy threw at him, he didn't say, you were there from the foundation of the world. 
you know, you know who I am. You were there when the with the Trinity. You were one of the angels. I don't need to explain myself to you. No, he said, it is written with each temptation. And so it's crucial, and that was just, that was a pivotal point for me while we were away, is just to reiterate the value of getting into the word and knowing the word of God. Because that's how we defeat the enemy. It's our sword, right? Amen. So thank you, Tracy, for bringing that last week. So what is worship? <laughs> worship can be really hard to define. Um, I looked at my Spotify playlist last night, and there was everything there from acoustic Christmas to, don't judge me, all out 80s and 90s. Um, there was jazz music, there was, and they all had like titles for each of them. There was uh, one that I had made called Family Road Trip. It was music that we listened to when we were driving. Um, there was a walking and a workout playlist. And then there was Worship 2023, or Acoustic Worship, or Worship of the 80s, or CCM Worship. And I think, just to reiterate, worship is not a genre on your playlist, okay? I know that we, most of us know this, but we use this word so flippantly, I think, in our church culture now, that it's lost some of its intrinsical value and in what it actually really is. So music, songs, wonderful. I'm all about it. But it's a vehicle to get us to a place of worship. So all, like, throughout the Bible, there's illustrations of worshiping with music. I'm not even going to go through all the scriptures, but you just have to open the book of Psalms. Clap your hands, shout for joy, play on strings, play your harps, do whatever you can, but make a joyful noise and give worship to the Lord. So it is a vehicle, but there's all kinds of vehicles. There's flagging, there's dancing, there's art, there's serving, there's uh, scripture, praying, all vehicles. They can help bring us to a place of worship, but in and of themselves, they're not worship. So Tracy was talking about the importance of the word. So how do we define worship? Probably the most important thing is to go to the source of all truth. Let's go to the Bible, right? And the very first mention of worship in the Bible is in Genesis 22. And the Hebrew word that was used for worship is called Shaha, spelled S-H-A-C-H-A-H. -H -H. And if you know anything about um, theology and um, studying the word of God, the first time that a word is used in the Bible, that's kind of sets the precedent for every other time that it's been used. So just place high value, pay close attention to the first time those words are used in scripture. And so Shaha means to bow down to prostrate yourself, to lay aside your will for his. If I could sum it up in one word, because honestly, there's beautiful definitions out there, but in one Canadian, in Canadian, in one English word, <laughs> I would say surrender, okay? That's, that's how I like to sum it up. So Matthew 22, 37 to 38 tells us the commandment that Jesus considered to be the greatest. 
You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. He says this is the first and greatest commandment. Why is this the greatest commandment? Simply put, it's because love is what God desires the most from us. This is why we were created, to be in relationship with God, to encounter him. Out of all the things that God could want from us, and this just chokes me up thinking about it, it's our love that he desires the most. God longs to have a relationship with us. How incredible is that? That the creator of the universe is like you. I love you so much that I created you. I want and I long for a relationship with you. I want you to encounter me as I encounter you. This is, he's, he's after our affection. And I mentioned this um, last week. This is kind of what I think spurred Tracy asking me <laughs> to speak this week. Um, during worship, I had said that our worship is so valuable and so powerful and so precious to him because it is the only thing that we can give to him that he hasn't first given to us. Everything that I have, all the blessings in my life, from my children to my husband to um, family, food on my table, um, you fill in the blank. Everything that I have is because of him. He's given it to me first. My finances, he's given it to me first. Worship is the only thing that he has not given to me. And it is the one thing that he desires more than everything. Worship is our choice, and it's the posture of our heart, essentially. So King David was a true worshiper. God said that he was a man after his own heart, and he was an adulterer <laughs> and a murderer, but he was a, God, a man after God's own heart. Like, how, do this, how does this fit? But David was a worshiper, and you can read, like I said again, all through Psalms about how he poured out his heart to the Lord. He poured out everything, all of his questions, all of his doubts, his anger, his frustrations, even his successes. But lots of time he was complaining in anguish, but he always ended back to the place of the goodness of God. Because when we fix our eyes on him, everything else pales in comparison. That is what worship does. David didn't care what others thought of him. His own wife was embarrassed by David's extravagant worship. But David worshiped the Lord with everything because it wasn't for man, and he didn't care what man thought. He was worshiping for an audience of one. So it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I think David did a pretty incredible job of that. I often think, and it's probably, excuse me, um, not, not a frustration, but it's, it's a question. Why is it, and I won't look to certain sports fans over on this side of the room that I might live with, but why is it that people can buy all the paraphernalia, 
Why can they go to a game or go to a concert and jump up and down and get excited and give everything and not care about the person that's standing next to them? Why does, why does the world get all of our affection? I'm not saying that you have to dance and shout and, and make a fool and goodness, please don't dance naked like David did. Not here, anyways. <laughs> what you do in the privacy of your own home is fine. But why is it that we can't get excited about the Lord? I remember the first time I heard the song, I Can Only Imagine. And, I mean, it was, talk about a pivotal encounter moment for me. We were living in Summon Park, and I was getting ready for work. And it came on the radio, and we didn't have Christian radio then, so I'm not even sure why it came on, CHTN or CFCY or something. And as I was sitting there getting ready and hearing these words, the Spirit of God just came over me, and I just wept. And I did. I started to imagine, what will it be like when I see him face to face? What will I do? And I know I will fall flat on my face. <laughs> and scripture says that one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And my prayer is that I don't wait until then. I don't want, because we will have no choice. We're hearing testimonies from, I'm going off script, Tracy. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hearing testimonies coming out of Israel and the Middle East and everything that's going on right now. And I mean, we've been hearing it for years, but I'm hearing more and more about Muslims and encountering the Lord. And there's a presence that comes into their room with bright light. They don't even know who he is, and they fall. And they immediately are convicted of their sin and begin to repent. Because there is something that will happen one day when we all encounter the Lord. Whether we've known him in this lifetime or not, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Lord, may I do that here and now. How much more valuable is it when it's spurred from a heart of faith? So from the very beginning, God has been leading us into more. I sang this morning about taking us back to the garden. Just imagine the garden for a moment before the fall. <clears throat> and then the enemy came. And he's always been trying to turn the story around. Oh, you know, do you really think that you can't eat from that tree? Do you really think that, that God is in the business of giving you more? He just wants you to give up stuff. He wants you to give up that lifestyle. Give up those words, those actions, those friends, whatever. The enemy has convinced the world that God is some kind of killjoy that he wants to take things from me. If I become a Christian, I have to give up this and I have to give up that. He wants to take away all my fun. Let me tell you that you could actually change all of your behavior and never change your worship. 
And likewise, some of the greatest theologians that know scripture from cover to cover, they can know the word of God in and out, but never know the love of the Father. We need both. God has always been about leading us into more. He's been leading us back to what was intended in the garden. He led the Israelites out of slavery and into the promised land. God is preparing us for the best. And anything that we are wrestling with, I guarantee you it will be tested. Anything that we are holding back from him, the enemy will feast on that thing that you're withholding from the Lord. So back to the first mention of worship in Scripture in Genesis 22.1. It says that God tested Abraham's faith and obedience. Abraham was asked by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. And in verse 5, Abraham tells his servant, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there. And then we will come right back. God asked Abraham for what was most precious to him. Isaac was the promised son that Abraham and Sarah waited years for. So in order, so what, like I said from the beginning, the first time worship is mentioned in scripture, you use that as like a precedent for any other further times in scripture. This holds value. In order for something to be worship, it requires a sacrifice. I'm going to say that again because the room got really quiet. In order for something to truly be worship, it requires a sacrifice. I think that we can come to church, we, I'm guilty of it, week after week, and there's many Sundays that I have come and sung his praises and told of the goodness of God, that's praising the Lord. But there's many weeks that I have come and I have not worshipped the Lord. Worship requires a sacrifice. Giving something over to the Lord. And then he, in his grace and mercy, blesses me back. That's the wonder of it. I'm going to take a look at the time and see what's... Um, so I'll quick, try and quickly tell this story. When I was in Bible college, forgive me if some of you already know this, um, I was debating whether or not to come back to the island. And I was seeking the Lord, and I really wasn't getting any answers. And there was reasons that I knew that my flesh might want to come back, and but I wanted it to be about him. And so one evening, my roommates and I were in our apartment, and we were just worshiping the Lord. We were praying, we were reading, we were dancing, singing, and this went on for hours. It felt like minutes. And the following day, we were in class, and the class is called Holy Spirit. <laughs> so it was Holy Spirit class. And we started the class, um, we would always start with praying and lifting our voices, lifting our songs, praying in the Spirit, and then the volume would raise, and then we would, it would fall back down, and we would wait. And we would just wait to hear what the Lord was doing. And so this happened three times. <laughs> the volume would raise, the praise would raise, the prayers would raise, and then we would just wait. 
and I knew that God was stirring something in my belly, and it was right here, and and I was petrified because I didn't want to surrender my pride. I didn't want to surrender, oh, what if this falls flat? What if I make a total fool of myself? And I heard the Lord clearly say to me, Heather, if you just open your mouth, I will put the words in. And he reminded me, it was just like when he said, step out of the boat, step out in faith and trust, and just see what I will do. And so that's exactly what I did. I opened my mouth, and a song came out of me. And ironically enough, a lot of it was scripture that I had been reading the day before. And it came out in a song. And when it did, the presence of God fell in the room, not because of me. It was because of my obedience to the Lord, my worship to the Lord. And then my professor came and prophesied over me that God was taking me back to a place to use in my worship for corporate to tear down religious walls. And I knew in that moment, because of my obedience, now the point is not to look what, look, look, look what my word was. That's not the point of the story. The point of it is, is that I was praying for something. And then I made a sacrifice, and I was obedient. And God gave me my answer. He always is about bringing us back into more. It doesn't always look or happen the way that we think it will. But I knew what I had to do. He gave me the answer I was looking for. Anything that we lose in worship will come back to us in a different form. So in Genesis 22, 5 again, Abraham said, if you notice, he said, the boy and I will go away, we will worship, and we will come back. He knew that he was to go up on the mountain and sacrifice his son. So why did he say, we will come back? He knew God. He knew that God was going to make a way. Whether he came back with his son raised from the dead in another bodily form, but he knew that the two of them would be coming back. We give God our disappointments, our doubts, our fears, and he will always exchange it for something else. Because worship causes us to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto him. And when we're looking at him, like I mentioned earlier, everything is small in comparison. Can I just tell you that there is not a better disinfectant for a broken heart than worship. There is not a better disinfectant for doubt than worship. When you, and the world is full of distractions, even this morning, even in this very room, I was very distracted, and I know the enemy was trying everything in his might because he doesn't want this word to be heard. We need to fix our eyes on the Lord, fix our heart on the Lord, and I promise you, watch everything change. We also give God our successes, our wins, our treasures. Mary, you all know the story of Mary pouring out her perfume. It was valuable to her. It was very costly. 
it also cost her dignity. The disciples in the room were like, this is a promiscuous woman. What is she doing to Jesus? She's pouring stuff on his feet, making a fool of herself. We could have used this perfume to feed the poor. How much more noble is that? But Jesus said to remember her. This, this is true worship. So worship will always be costly. It's a sacrifice. I'm going to tell a quick funny story. There's a story about a chicken and a pig. <laughs> Walking down a road, and they see a homeless man who is sitting on the side of the road starving to death. And the chicken looks at the pig and says, Oh, look at this poor man. He looks like he hasn't eaten for days. Let's make him a beautiful meal of eggs and bacon. And of course, you can fill in the blank. The pig says, that's easy for you to say. It's just an offering that you need to give. But I need to give a total sacrifice. So earlier I mentioned if I could sum worship up in one word, it would be surrender. And God's kingdom doesn't look like earthly kingdoms. Darren mentioned this this morning, even when we are talking about finances. Nobody likes to talk about this. <laughs> but God's kingdom is not like our earthly kingdom. When you surrender, there's freedom. In God's kingdom, or in earthly kingdom, sorry, when you surrender, you wave that white flag, you are basically telling the enemy, I've, I give up, you win. You surrender yourself over to him. You're now a prisoner. But in God's kingdom, surrender equals freedom. And it's a lifestyle. It's not a one-time experience. The Spirit is continuously pouring in, and we are continuously giving up, and we're always trying to get back to the garden, to the place where it was initially intended, in that circle of unbroken fellowship. And this experience of encountering God's love is not man-made. Holy Spirit is the one that draws all men unto himself. Holy Spirit is the one that reveals the love of the Father to each of us. I can't make this happen for you. No man can. Tracy can't. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And when we have a revelation and an encounter with a living God and his love for us, we can't help but worship. I feel more in love with Jesus now at 49 than I ever have because I know him more and more and more and I've encountered his love for me more and more. I know how much he loves me and so I want to give him everything. I love that we have been talking about encounter because this is truly what it's all about. This is what we were made for. We need the love of God. We need it to wreck us and to move us and to cause us to hunger for more. And if it doesn't, then you need a new encounter. We live a life of worship, of surrender, but we can be marked by these pivotal moments 
these pivotal experiences, but they don't keep us, right? We are constantly living in this place. So back to the beginning, in Adam and Eve, in this unbroken fellowship with the Creator, we were meant for that. We were meant for beautiful intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And worship is a, a vehicle that God uses to transform us. He is not a narcissistic uh, God who has an ego who demands that we worship him. He knows that it's connected to our heart. And he loves us so much that he wants to encounter us. He is after our fully surrender, undivided heart. If we come in Sunday after Sunday, just nonchalantly, just what can God do for me? We have, like Colby said last week, we lose the awe and wonder of who he is. And so our worship is connected to the revelation of who God is and that he is God and I am not and I am nothing without him. Faith is out of the room, so now I can pick on her for one quick sec. <laughs> so <clears throat> last week, I think it was, her car broke down, her new car, on the side of the road. And this is the second time this has happened. It happened with her old car. And she was upset, to say the least. It was smoking. And by the way, the cops pulled her over right before this happened. So there was a double whammy. So <laughs> she phoned her daddy, and her daddy went running. It was 11 o'clock at night. He had just worked a 12-hour shift, but he went to rescue his little girl. Love is never convenient. It gives beyond comfort, and it's costly. Infatuation is selfish. And for too long, the church has been infatuated with Jesus. I am infatuated with what he can do for me and what he has done for me. But if I am in love with Jesus, then I give him everything. If love doesn't cost you, it's not really love. So how do we do that? We can't truly love someone without knowing them. And there's been all kinds of ways that you can get to know him. You can be amazed by all of his great attributes and others. But you need the Holy Spirit to help you encounter the love of the Father. And so this is my biggest prayer. And it was my prayer before we went to Orlando. It's my prayer from the moment I gave my life back to the Lord in my 20s. I want to know you more. I never want to stop knowing you and learning more about you. I want to know you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my mind, because this is the first and greatest commandment. And this is ultimately why I am so passionate about worship, because it transforms us. 
you know that you've truly worshipped when you are different after. And I don't believe that you can truly encounter the Lord and not be forever changed. So I'm going to end with this scripture. And Tracy, you can come up whenever. Um, Because I will transition over here and she can take it from wherever she feels led. But John 4, 23 says, But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those that will worship him that way. Amen. Um, I just sense Heather. <laughs> and maybe your team could come up um, in terms of music. Um, but I just sense what Heather carries um, and what she has spoken um, that there's just, God is doing some stuff this morning in your hearts. This desire to know him in full and to recognize that I need to lay some stuff down. You know, I think among us, God is brewing dreams. And there's things amongst us that, you know, you're, you're having those times with the Lord and you feel him showing you things to step into, but it's going to take a sacrifice. It's going to take something. And you're wavering, you're not sure. There's some of you that are in that place, but some of you this morning just really feel like, God, I just want more of you. And so I just want us to stand. Um, and for those of you who are really just feeling both, you, God has been speaking to you uh, and you feel that this morning, I, just wanna, I want you to just to come because I want Heather, I just feel like Heather's supposed to pray over us this morning for what she carries in the area of worship and understanding what it means to sacrifice and to lay it down because God's dream is bigger, right? We think we know, okay, I think this is what God wants me to do, but God's dream is so much bigger than what we can even fathom in our own strength and mind, like what he had spoken to Heather too in the story that she shared. When we lay down our dream and say, God, I want your dream. I want you, what you want. I want you to lead that way that's when things begin to shift, but we've got to lay that down before him. And so, um, yeah, so come, come and stand. And I just want Heather to pray over us. Um, and then you can head to the piano and just let worship flow. But I just really feel like she's got something to, to, to pray over us. And so, yes, I just, in that posture of receiving, just, you know, reach out your hands. And, you know, if you don't feel comfortable coming, but you're in the audience, but you sense something, you know, God has something for you too. It's not just those who are standing in the front. So just be in that posture to receive this morning as Heather prays. And then when Heather goes to, to worship, I also encourage you just to stay in a posture of worship. Just let the Lord minister to you. Don't rush the food. The food is there. It's, it's cold plate, so it's okay. There's no rush. Let the Lord minister to you in this moment, okay? Mm. Precious Jesus. Father, we thank you for your extravagant love. You long for our hearts so much that you sent your son to die so that we could encounter you 
So, Father, with extravagant love for us, we long to give extravagant love back to you. Father, we want more of you. And for those that have maybe never encountered you in this way, Father, we ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, reveal the depth and the breadth of your love for us. That you would reveal the heart of the Father for his children. That he is sitting and waiting and longing and he's roaming the earth looking for people who will worship him this way, who will bow down and give everything so that he can pour back in and we can go back to what the original intent was in the garden, to live in perfect union and intimacy with you. So Father, we ask for more. Will we never be content to come on a Sunday and leave without having worshipped you. May our lives be an overflow of worship because of our encounters with you. Take us back, Lord, to what the real intent was. We love you, Jesus. We want to love you more. Help us to love you more. There's nothing wrong with praying that. Can I just say that? If you're not feeling hungry, if you're feeling dry, it's okay. He already knows. He already knows that. Ask him. Ask him to stir up hunger in your life for more of him. Surrender those things that he's asking you to surrender and watch him. Watch what he does. Holy Spirit, come. We need you. We want more of you. We love you, Jesus, and we long to sit at your feet and pour our oil out. Give us a heart for worship. Teach us to love you.